I guess I will. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Who say welcome to so far? Yeah. No, I can figure out what to okay. say. All right. <laughs> Is this it? it? Is this part of it? Oh, have we started? Guy. This guy's giving Mike. What am I doing here? I don't know. <laughs> Guys, tell me what to say. Am I Ron Burgundy all of a sudden? Reading off a teleprompter? Three, two. Hey, welcome to the debut episode of So Far. Now, what is So Far? Why, first of all, don't these guys have nine other podcasts? Why is this? What's what's going on here? (laughs) Why is this existing? Well, first of all, let me say who, my name is Tom Sharpling, and I'm here with Jason Gore. Hello. AP Mike. I guess not. Did we lose Mike? I'm oh, here. Yeah, there he is. Mike, and then last but not least, Pat Byrne. Hello. How are you? <laughs> so I'm now okay. what we're going to do is, look, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young have been this bizarre, hyper-fascinating kind of cultural thing that it's one of the I don't know. I don't even know. What, I, I'm figuring this out as we talk. It's it's, it's the whole thing is it's they, it's these two guys, David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash, and Neil Young, who had this supergroup, uh, arguably the first supergroup, and they put out records together and in different incarnations, and um, they've created this insane huge body of work that. Some of it is my absolute favorite stuff, like Neil Young stuff, and and some of it's my absolute least favorite stuff that's ever existed in anything. And the <laughs> characters behind the music are just as fascinating as the music, if not more fascinating. And the way they fight and position themselves against each other, it's just it's four of the most interesting people, regardless of how you feel about their music. So we talked about it, and we were just like, what if we did especially during this current situation. What if we were just like, what if we did like a bonus podcast where we went through the catalog and really tried to get to the bottom of certain things and find whatever truths are there and whatever surprises. And yeah, I don't know. We're going to go year by year through the body of work of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, the four of us are going to go through their the four of their body of work, and then we're going to evaluate it and rate it and rank it and discuss it. And I guess the first thing we can talk about is of the four, like if each of us says what their, um, like what is your relationship to their, their work? What is your, uh, what are your biases in favor and against members of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young? Like where do you stand with, with them. So what if we start with, uh, we'll start with Jason. Okay. Um, Crosby, Sills and Nash was the first concert I ever saw in 1990 at, uh, uh, Roanoke civic center, Roanoke, Virginia. I hated it mm-hmm. at the time because I was purely into Metallica with my yeah. mullet and my pube stash. Uh huh. But looking back on it, I look back on it fondly like, man, that was actually a pretty cool show. My mom and, and dad were both huge Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young fans. Mom never liked Young, hated his voice. So she always supported uh, Crosby, Stills & Nash over Young. Mm-hmm. Um, but dad was always more Neil. I saw Neil Young uh, with Booker T and the MGs in 1993. It was one of the first concerts I went to as well. I think that was probably the fifth show I went to. 
uh, with my dad. And then it became like a tradition of seeing Neil every summer with my dad. So yeah, this is like a big part of my upbringing. Wow. And in terms of like each member of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, there's some Graham Nash stuff I love. There's some Stills stuff I love, especially like Manassas and stuff like that. You know, there's some Crosby stuff that's okay. I don't hate any of them, but I'm pretty much like Neil's my guy too. Sure. So, Mike, what is your uh, relationship to their uh, bodies of work? Yeah, I started off very young, uh, a Neil Young fan uh, in high school. And then I sort of uh, followed his other endeavors, you know, with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, the Deja Vu album. Then I sort of did listen to the Crosby, Stills, and Nash stuff, and I kind of liked it. Um, What was that big, they had like a double album, live album? Four-Way Street. Four-Way Street, yes. I remember, for whatever reason, I don't even think I own that record anymore, but uh, I listened to that quite a bit when I was young. I didn't follow all of their uh, solo endeavors. I didn't even go much further with Crosby, Stills, and Nash beyond like their first two records. So this will be a lot of new stuff for me. Only like a few years ago did I get familiar with uh, If I Could Only Remember My Name which I like that album. Which is a um, David Crosby album from, I think, 1970 70 or 71. Yeah. That's, that's a really uh, kind of a very, it's like a, it's an album that's grown in stature and it's a really re- like highly respected album now. But it, I don't, it, it wasn't always some reference point for greatness though. Yeah. So, but you know what I mean? That was not that was not always something that people talked about as some classic album. No, no. I mean, I, I just became familiar with it, you know, recently, you know, relatively mm-hmm. recently. Sure. So, yeah, a lot of this stuff is going to be new to me. Even mm-hmm. the Birds stuff, you know, I mean, I, I had all those Birds albums, but mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason, I didn't really, they, they weren't heavily played, you know? Okay. Um, it wasn't until they put out that big box set uh, that was very famous, you know, the CD set, and uh, I started getting into more. But uh, even just going back and listening to the full albums now was, you know, sort of, it was fresh to me because mm-hmm. I, I I didn't really get into those records one by one. Okay. Except that, for Sweetheart of the Rodeo. Sure. Which is my favorite Birds album. Okay. Well, that's that's... So yeah, you kind of you hit it from a di- different angles than than Jason or me. And Pat, what is your what is your uh, relationship to these these guys? Tom, next next to nothing. <laughs> good. Well, then that's good. This is the 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 fresh. Somebody's fresh in the yeah. mix. I mean, I I like Neil Young, and uh, you know, I I, I like uh, David Crosby's uh, voice, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I don't know fully how how Neil Young. I'm going to be kind of learning from you guys. I don't, even, I don't even know how Neil Young is connected to the band because he's not yeah. credited on any of the album titles, right? So it's always credited as Crosby, Steele, and Nash, right? Well, the the here's the thing: is the first. Well, we'll let's do the history right now. Okay. Yeah. Like basic history. So, so of these guys, you have David Crosby, who right. was, uh, he was in the founding lineup of the birds in mm-hmm. 64 65 like he he was there for the very beginning of the birds when they when it was roger mcguinn and gene clark and chris hillman and michael clark and 
David Crosby. And they were a lot, they were a popular Los Angeles band, a band a lot of people called the Birds America's answer to the Beatles. To the Beatles, right. Yeah. So that was like in 65, Birds had Mr. Tambourine Man, number one hit, just enormous. So that's that's David Crosby. And then you have all the way over in London, you have Graham Nash was a member of the, this band, the Hollies, who were kind of like a, a Beatle era beat sure. group. And it was him with, um, who was he with? Alan Clark was the other, f- the, the Hollies were basically two, they had like two, two uh, front guys, I guess it's fair to say. It's Alan yeah. Clark and Graham Nash. And they were famous. The Hollies are famous for their like amazing harmonies. And they had a bunch of hits like Bus Stop and Carrie mm-hmm. Ann and... Uh, Dear Eloise. Dear Eloise, Look Through Any Window, King Midas in Reverse. Like they had a bunch of legitimate chart hits and they would come over and play America play uh, Los Angeles. So then you have um, Stephen Stills. Where did he grow, where did he grow up? Uh, in Texas? He's from, uh, so he kind of moved around a lot. He was an army brat. Uh, yeah, he's from Dallas, Texas. So he was a, a young guy who was in Los Angeles and on the music scene. And um, him and, and uh, basically that they met this, like when he played, they met this guy, Neil Young, when they played in, in Ontario, when, when Stephen Stills was up there with a band, right? Is, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. No. And then, then they were like, they met Neil Young, who was a young uh, Canadian guy who was in a band called the Minor Birds who uh, the other guy in the Minor Birds was um, Rick James, like the the Rick James was in a band, a pre-Buffalo Springfield band called the Minor Birds, and then Rick James was like AWOL from the Army. Am I right on that? You're right on it. And then he kind of got caught by the military police, and that broke the band up. Neil Young goes to Los Angeles to look for these guys he met, who I think he met Richie Fury and Stephen Stills, probably. Yeah. Uh, and he, he drives from Toronto to Los Angeles in a hearse. With Dewey Palmer. With Dewey Palmer, who became the drummer of Buffalo Springfield. They're looking around for these guys, and they don't find them. They're about to leave town, and then... Stephen Stills and Richie Fury spot this hearse with with Ontario plates, and just as they're literally about to leave town and just go home, and then they they kind of pull them they they pull them over, and it was that was the like then Neil Young stayed and Dewey was it Dewey sorry Dewey Palmer Dewey Palmer yeah they stayed and then they hooked up with. Uh... Messina? Who was it? <laughs> it wasn't Messina. Uh, I, I had it. Uh, Ricky, it Ricky Fury, Stephen Stills. Oh, it's um, crud. I'm, I'm, Bruce whatever. Palmer. Bruce Palmer. That's right. Not, not Jim Messina. That's Pope. It's, it's, it's Bruce Palmer and Dewey Martin. Yeah. That's where we're getting the mix basically, Yeah. So there basically, we go. basically, Neil Young decides to stay in Los Angeles and he forms... Buffalo Springfield with this guy, Stephen Stills. And then you have on the scene, Buffalo Springfield and, and the birds are kind of friendly rivalry kind of bands. 
and they even overlapped a little bit. There was a show that Neil Young didn't play, and then David Crosby jumped in at with Buffalo Springfield at the Monterey Pop Festival in 67, I would think that was, right? Yep. So then Graham Nash, they knew... Crosby and Stills knew Graham Nash was an amazing singer. Graham Nash was getting restless and wanted to get out of the Hollies, I guess, or or just get something else going. And he was they kind of poached him from the Hollies to form a band with Crosby and Nash. And they uh Buffalo Springfield broke up. David Crosby got kicked out of the birds, and that freed up Crosby and Stills. Nash leaves the Hollies. The three of them start this uh, sensibly a super group in 1969. Yes. 69. They, um, they play Woodstock as their pretty much their first huge, I mean, their first legit appearance, right? Yeah. Oh, it's act, it was actually their second gig. Their second. I think that's right. Yeah. But it was so they were so new. So they they played Woodstock, and they they recorded this album Crosby, Stills and Nash, and it blew up. It just like became enormous, and then they were trying to put the lineup together to go play live, and they're like, "Well, we need another guitar in the in the lineup." And Stills was like, "Well, we should ask Neil Young if he would want to be a part of this because he can write songs." And you know, they thought about John Sebastian at one point from. Love and Spoonful, but then they went with uh, Neil Young, and then it became Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And the whole point of the thing was that you could just be your. It was about four people. It wasn't just a group called like the Blah Blah Blahs or the whatever. It was like no, we are f- the individuals, the three or four individuals, and we bring our full personalities to this. So for the second album. Neil Young was a member of the group, Deja Vu. Was that the second album? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's like in a nutshell how it started. But And then Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Like Neil Young was, was arguably the least famous member of the whole thing when it started. It, not even arguably. Just, I think it's inarguable yeah. that when he joined, he was, the, he was the least known person. But then... He started his solo career, and and within two years, he had Heart of Gold and became just a superstar in his own right, which made Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young just exponentially more popular, and they were just playing football stadiums yeah. uh, once the 70s got underway. And they would each check out and do things together. They would do their solo albums. They would, they would split off and do albums together like stills and young did an album crosby and nash did an album like they would just they would just constantly be making music and overlapping and sharing things and they would come together and they would go apart and neil would check in and out with them and could kind of use the band as a bargaining chip because if it was crosby stills and nash playing somewhere they could they could they were 10 times as popular when it was crosby stills nash and young and the money was just undeniable. So they always had that kind of hanging over their head was the that uh, the power that Young had. So it was very interesting. The power dynamics are insane within this band and really interesting. Um, 
Because if you had to boil each member down, like, how would you define Crosby, Jason? Uh, broken, but very cocky. Very yeah. big, big ego, talks a lot. Self-admitted just that he's a jerk. Like, he's yes. the first person to say, I, am, I was a, such a jerk back then. And, yeah, I think one thing that they all have in common, these four guys, is just towering egos. Yes. Like, like they all think they're the star of the show. Yeah, very much so. And and they're all in their own way jerks. Yeah. Even even Nash, I mean, he seems a little more humble than the other three. I would say he's probably the m- most humble, but even then like his his ego is way up there. Is it? Okay. Oh uh, yeah, if you listen to this David Brown audiobook or you could read it in actual book form. I don't know it's a uh, Pretty embarrassing to reference the thing as an audiobook first. Makes me sound like a like an imbecile. Yeah. Have someone read this to you. Yeah. You know they put that audiobook out in printed form also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean a book? <laughs> what? Um, yeah. But it's like yeah, Nash, Nash was was had his own brand of egotism going on. He was uh what I politely in the book is referred to as a, uh, I guess a coxman. Is that fair to say? Yes. Where he would sleep with anyone's girlfriend or wife. He would swoop in. Yeah. Uh Wow. And he was just (laughs) unrelenting with, with, with that. And, um, and I'm not even putting a judgment on that. I'm just saying that that I'm just trying to give you an insight into the kind of guy he was. Yeah, so he was kind of like a, a, a... Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. He, to me, Nash is like a lightweight. He was more poppy than anyone else in the group. And he had the pop hits too. And had the, yes. He wrote pop hits with that. I mean, Crosby was just, Crosby was an egotist. And um, just thought he was special in some way. Got booted out of the birds for being insufferable. And could never, like, write the big hit, though. Like, that's the one thing. He never was the guy behind the big hits. But he wrote really interesting things that were not nearly as conventional as, as like, Nash would do. Like, he was... He always had this like jazzy bent to some of his composition to where like Miles Davis wanting to cover like Guinevere is very telling that Miles Davis wanted to cover a Crosby song. Right. Stills was kind of like, I don't know, cocky also, (laughs) yes. Cocky. um, I think him having... Texas way, like a very, very like military... So he never he never served, but he would wear, you know, like a an outfit. 
Yeah, he would be into like either paramilitary outfits or straight up football jerseys. <laughs> like way like you want to talk yeah. about being a, you want to talk about being pioneering. Stills uh, is the guy who who popularized football jerseys. <laughs> like wearing <laughs> a jersey with another person's name on the back. Stills is one of the early adopters of that. Yeah. Um but he also was the definitely the driving force of the early era of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, like his production skills yeah. and his his arranging. Like he could he could arrange somebody else's song and bring the best out in it. His guitar playing is outstanding. Well, he and, played all of the instruments on the first record. Yeah, and I mean, he he was in the studio just fueled by cocaine. Who did? The guys would just step out and then come in, sing their parts, and then Stills would be there until the morning, fueled by cocaine. Yeah, because weren't they called, like, when they first, like, recorded something and, and like, leaked it to radio, they called themselves the Frozen Noses, Frozen. <laughs> which is some pretty sweet coke lingo. Yeah. But I would say also, like, I, I feel that, you know, Stills was a driving force, but I do think cocaine was a huge driving force for this band. Okay. So they said, did it okay. throughout the entire history of Crosby, yeah. Stills, and Nash. The cocaine is the fifth member. What it is what the fifth member. Yeah. yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, and cocaine. Okay. So that's, like, that's Stills. And then Young is the guy who is just the dances to the beat of his own drum, does yeah. literally whatever he wants and can just vanish on people. Yeah. When he no hesitation, whenever he wants, he would just leave a thing midstream. They'd find out he was gone the next morning if they're recording an album and he wasn't feeling it. He left Buffalo Springfield so many times. Yeah. And he was definitely had a competition going with, um, with stills in Buffalo Springfield. Like they were the two front people in Buffalo Springfield and the two primary songwriters. And yeah, so that's that's everything that led to these guys all intersecting and becoming Crosby, Stills, Nash, and then Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the catalog. We'll do a couple years in episode, per episode. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sounds good. Right? Yeah. 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 So today, this is the introductory episode. So we're going um, to just discuss pre-CSN stuff. And just to give context for what each person did within like the, the band before they, before they entered this, this uh, period that we're going to go fully into. Um, yeah. Because um, yeah. So, so what are some, what are some things we want to track through this? I think some big goals would be, and we're not, we don't even have to do this for this one because this is pre when the run starts. So this would be like episode zero in a way, right. like, but some of the things we can rank, I, I would love to be able to come away from this saying without a doubt what the worst song on any of their records is. Like, like at the end of this to be like the worst song that anyone in Crosby, Stills, Nash or Young ever recorded is blank. And some people are going to just say it's probably the disco song Stephen Stills did and that we can just stop doing this right now. Right. That's what I want to get from it. Uh-huh. Oh, I've got but, some nominees. Yeah, no, I've got plenty. But we're yeah. going to get, we're going to go through it and we're going to get to the bottom of it. 
We're also we, going to talk about the best too. So we're going to do the best oh, and worst. This is not. This is just not. We're just. Yeah. No. This is. This is a true. This is not some hatchet job right. thing. We're just gonna. We're gonna talk about the great stuff, the not great stuff, and all of it. We're just gonna get. But but we should set some specific goals. Like what right. is the worst song within a certain year. For each, like for each year, what is the worst song uh, between the four of these guys? And gotcha. what is the best song between the four of these guys? Yeah. So we can track best and worst. We should track um, true cringy moments. Oh, no. What's that? We, we, we called that segment, Oh, No. Oh, oh No, that's right, yes. We call that Oh, No. Oh, No, okay. for cringe moments that covers yeah. drugs, Musical choices, personal choices, fashion, bad album covers, etc. Exactly. And if if anybody amongst the four of us has ideas for other things we should track, let's let's keep that in mind. If you have any now or you want to come up with any, we can, you know. We also have monumental moments. So we kind of talk about like I would say uh, the 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 two cars passing where the members of Buffalo Springfield recognized each other and saw a hearse with you know, Ontario plates. That's a monumental moment mm-hmm. for Crosby, yeah. Stills, and Nash. Yes, absolutely. So who had the best year? Who had the worst year? Exactly. We can do all of this while we figure out who these people are and what, then the, and, and what they made. Do we rank the members? Yeah, we rank the members for each year. And we can even do an episode zero ranking just of the oh, easy. to see who was one through four for the pre-CSNY years, before pre-69. So let's start with the birds, with Crosby. There were four, four birds albums, five. Like, Crosby was on five birds albums. He wasn't, he, there's still traces of him on the fifth album, Notorious Bird Brothers, even though he was out of the band. Some of the recording and some of the songwriting he is responsible for. But the main things are the first album, Turn, Turn, Turn. Oh, no, the first album was Mr. Tambourine Man. Then Turn, 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 Fifth Dimension, and Younger Than Yesterday are the four that Crosby was an active full-time member for those. Now, are we looking for the best Bird song or the best Crosby Birds. Well, I think I think we don't have to be as specific on this because the because each member was kind of Crosby was arguably the third, if not fourth, most important member of the birth. Yeah. yeah, behind Roger McGuinn and Gene Clark and Chris Hillman. You know, Chris Hillman writes, "So you want to be a rock and roll star?" And they just have they they were just bringing more to the table. I mean, Gene Clark was just a a genius. I, I feel yeah completely. I don't know. Um, and, and we can't and we can't ignore the fact and and this you know I sort of listened to the records one after the other. We can't ignore the fact that Bob Dylan is really sort of also a member of the band since they're covering so many of his songs. Yeah. Um, you so know, that drops it, that drops Crosby's ranking as well. Yeah. I always I always saw them as kind of a a glorified Dylan cover band. Okay. Yeah, I mean I, I was curious. I mean it, it goes on you know through through all the records. They're still do, they're doing Dylan covers I guess until the Notorious Bird Brothers. Is there one on I don't think there's a 
Bird's cover. Uh, I mean, a Dylan cover on. Um, oh, wait, there's one on Sweetheart of the Rodeo too. It's, yeah, so I mean, it keeps going. Yeah, Fifth Dimension didn't have one. Fifth Dimension and Younger Than Yesterday don't have any Dylan on them. Oh, okay. But because that's at, that's like Gene Clark. Gene Clark really um, like on Fifth Dimension, which is my favorite. Uh, that and Notorious Bird Brothers are my favorite Birds albums. Um, like that's when uh, Gene Clark uh, got booted out midstream, and so then then you have more David Crosby songs on the record. You do and have my back pages on Younger Than Yesterday, though. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Page. No, I'm sorry. That's yeah. you're right. You're right. I missed the 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 biggie. Yeah, I, I yeah. So, but on third, Fifth Dimension, he did not. So I, I just but, wondered. I just wondered listening to these albums if like I mean that was sort of common things that they did back then. Everybody mm -hmm. was cover, covering each other's songs. It wasn't such a big deal. But I just wondered if Dylan ever got annoyed that here's a whole band. It's kind of like just half their act is like doing covers of his songs. It just, you know, I'm, I'm sure, well, Mr. Tambourine Man was a pretty big hit. So, you yeah, know, I mean, Mr. Tam I mean, but you could make the case that all of these bands were, that's how, how Dylan was getting rich was yeah, on... Yeah. Because Sonny and Cher are doing All I Really Want to Do, and the Turtles are doing It Ain't Me, Babe, and the Birds are doing song after song. And it's like they, the Birds kind of, maybe they didn't introduce it. I don't know if somebody was ahead of them, but they, they were the ones that popularized the idea of covering Bob Dylan and taking these, these folky songs and turning them into rock songs. Did uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, were they before with uh, Blown in the Wind? Yeah, that, I guess they were ahead of it. But I mean, just in terms of actually appealing to like kids, though, to like right. the, the like the Beatle era. Yeah, like the Birds. Suddenly, Bob Dylan was the was the the architect of the, all of all these hits, you know. And they're they're. Um, I don't think Dylan. Maybe he didn't respect it, but I don't think he could have been. I don't oh, think he's having too down on it. Yeah. He, he was he was getting paid well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. So I mean, they, I mean, Mr. Tambourine Man was so huge of a hit, and that's also just like a reputation maker for a different crowd for yeah, people yeah. who weren't coming out of the folk background where they were just you know because Dylan also you figure sixty five that's when Dylan's starting to get closer to these guys if anything by adding rock full instrumentation to his records yeah with um bringing it all back home was the first one that was like half full band and half half uh solo right yeah right? yeah yes yeah. yeah and that's um and that's when my favorite Pete Seeger wanted to get his axe and chop the soundboard because <laughs> he couldn't handle he couldn't handle the idea that he was doing uh he was playing with a rock group even though the album had been out for four months i don't know if these people were that's the one thing i'll never understand they were acting shocked that this guy had a rock group with him the record had, had come out already like people when people are yelling judas at him that he was touring behind an album that had like <laughs> subterranean homesick blues and Maggie's farm that were just like hit songs. But was the electric band experience with Bob Dylan at that time live? Was that just 
you know, kind of like how people would say the Who were, were a live experience. They were loud. And then on the records, it didn't show. Do you think that it was, that it was a shock of just a loud band in front of them? I, I maybe it might have just been the volume of it. I don't yeah. know. But it seems, it seems so dumb. I don't know. Yeah, they, completely. They also just don't like that their, that their folk hero was suddenly interested in what they thought was just uh, teeny bopper stuff. They, they didn't like that part of it, too, because he was their guy. They already didn't like when he stopped writing protest songs um, and then started writing love songs. They already thought people were already down on him for that. So, so yeah, so the birds start off. David Crosby is not the lead singer of the birds. It's Roger McGuinn and Gene Clark sang the songs. And David Crosby was doing was was singing, but he was not the lead singer. And he was not the front man. But and he was also, I guess, best known for wearing a uh this this kind of like what would you call that thing he was wearing? This cape, right? Well, he had two. Yeah, he had the he had the cape, but then he, he also had the Russian outfit too. Yes, he also would. He he <laughs> went from wearing because first of all, he started off and he had this like this bowl cut, like a beetle cut, and he immediately started losing his hair. And I'm not putting anyone down for losing their hair, but he just started losing their, his hair. So suddenly his look changed midstream. He started wearing this like this uh, babushka on his head or whatever you call it. <laughs> he's, he's wearing one of those, those, those Soviet hats, like a Dr. Zhivago hat yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so that was his look. And then he kind of made his way up front and started writing a little bit. He wrote, um, I guess his first credit was Wait and See was the first co-writing thing. But I guess his big songs in the in the Birds would have been, uh, I don't know what, like Everybody's Been Burned? Everybody has been burned before. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's probably his biggest song that he did because that was like a solo number, and it's such a it's that's my favorite uh, that's my favorite David Crosby song. It's one of my favorite songs by anyone. Yeah, that's one of my favorite Bird songs. Everybody's been burned. Um, but then on the same album where he does something as good as Everybody's Been Burned, he does a weird one with Mind Gardens. Mind Gardens might be the worst Bird yeah. song. Yeah. Once upon a time There was a garden Well, is- no, I, I have another nomination for that. But Mind Gardens, <laughs> Mind Gardens stood out as a, a classic, what I call 60s excess song. You know, in the, 60s, yeah. in the 60s, you could just get away with stuff you couldn't get away to, with today. Mm-hmm. And, and and mine mine gardens definitely falls into cat, that category. My nominee and, and I was I was concerned. I, I thought, I mean, listening to the Notorious Bird Brothers, I thought that was more like particularly the first half. I thought that was more David Crosby was was involved. It had it had more of the Dave, David Crosby vibe on that first half of the album. Yeah, well, I mean, like uh, Draft Morning was a Crosby song that was. You know, uh, what about, was, but then we were talking about cringeworthy. Yeah. I mean, to me, the uh, triad has got to uh, be up there. 
yeah, Triad, his his ode to uh, to uh, group sex. You want to know how it will be me and her, or you and me? <laughs> yeah, he could not convince the birds to record. So then Jefferson <laughs> Airplane did it. And it's just, it's just, a, yeah, I don't know. That's not one of my favorite songs. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm, creepy. Uh, I'm just saying the way he does it, there's something, cre- I think the, the, the concept is not creepy. The, the, his, his, his interpretation of it, he just sounds like a, like some lounge lizard on it I don't roger, know. roger mcguinn called it a freak out orgy tune yeah. that's his freak out so that was his freak out orgy tune. i'm still gonna say mind gardens is worse than triad i'd agree with that mind gardens yeah. is so it's so yeah. post go ahead mike sorry no 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 you'll finish what you're saying about that one i was gonna say it just feels like everyone trying to be trippy and like and fail and failing miserably <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listening to these records, again, this is pretty fresh to me, listening from, from beginning to end. And you could just hear, you know, I mean, the first album was great. I mean, it's like, to me, it's like one of the best debut records to come out because it's they had such a unique sound. And it's there in the very first album. Yeah. You know, it was <laughs> like, wow, you know, they've got their thing down and it's great, you know. So mm. that, that record is good. Turn, turn, turn is is also very good, but it's it's got a weird uh, the, the weird cover of Oh Susanna comes out in nowhere. <laughs> Will I come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee? You know, like where did that come from? I, I was wondering if they they thought they could just put like a a a, a birds you know twist to every song under the sun. <laughs> And, and, well, yeah, well, I think if Turn, 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 which was like, Turn, Turn, yeah, Turn's like a, a folk standard. Right. I guess they must have thought like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Looking, uh, just looking at that, that information up, uh, Roger McGuinn told the journalist Vincent Flanders that he was dissatisfied with Oh, oh Susanna, saying it was a joke, but it didn't come off. It was poorly told. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm going to say that sounds like a... Uh, it sounds like somebody kind of saving face a little bit. I and then on, uh, on Younger Than Yesterday, you also have the 60s ex- excess, I'm calling it, CTA 102. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. you know, what was that all about? CTA 102. Yeah, it's not a good one. <laughs> they all had, they all, every one of these records has one kind of like, they all have a little bit of a, 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 a uh, like a like a trippy uh, expander of a, a brain expander that uh, doesn't work. And you can uh-huh. hear that they 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 had listened to Revolver, so there's a lot of that sort of uh, that tape sound, like backwards yeah. rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's on there. Uh, yeah, that CTA 102 is big on that. Uh-huh. And then on the Notorious Bird Brothers, they discovered the sitar. Oh so yeah, you get a lot of. You get a lot of that, and then you know they've got that instrumental uh, Moo Graga. 
Yeah, well, thank that was a, that was a bonus track to the. To the <laughs> oh, okay. That didn't make the Mugraga was not on the original thing, oh, but I that see. is insufferable. Yeah. That's just like <laughs> that was. That's a rough one. Okay. I mean, I mean, Space Odyssey to me on that one is um, yeah, yeah. is the is is right neck and neck with it in terms <laughs> yeah. of. But but when you look at them, when 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 um. Like Fifth Dimension has like Eight Miles High, which I think is one of the best songs to come out of the '60s, and that's uh that was a uh, that's one that was David Crosby, uh, Gene Clark, and Roger McGuinn wrote that co-wrote that, and that was just like that to me is the birds. That album is the birds at their peak because it's yeah. um they're getting a little trippier, but they're still it's still manageable, and the songs are really good with uh like what's happening and i see you and mr spaceman and they're yeah. just like they're really um i don't know i just i love that to me is that and notorious bird brothers like i said is are my favorite uh birds album sweetheart of the rodeo i like it i almost don't even think of that as a birds album in, yeah. a, in a strange way i think of that as like that's like a it's like Graham Parsons jamming with the birds. Yeah. Yeah. Album. Like, so well, McGuinn has some good songs on there. I mean, again, they're, they're Dylan covers, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, to me, that's their, their solid record for me from beginning to end. But you're right. I mean, Graham Parsons is in there and it's actually, I think that may have sort of lured me back to that record. You know, when I got <clears throat> to Graham Parsons, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know he had a couple songs on there, but I never really listened to the whole record a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I just went back, and to me, that's like uh, that's my favorite records of the first six albums. Sure, and that's, they've released, they've since released the um, stuff where because they had wiped a lot of Graham Parsons' vocals, I think, due to contractual was it contractual stuff? I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, really? I didn't know that. Like that. Yeah. But I love I, I love that album. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. But for yeah. some reason, I I never went anywhere else in the catalog. I just mm-hmm. someone got me into that album. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I know it front to back. Sure. Um, but I don't know any. I don't really know any other Birds albums. Well, because the funny thing is that album is such an anomaly in their catalog. Because Graham yeah. Parsons was out. He didn't stick around after that. And then right. then I love they Graham Parsons. Became, yeah, I mean, he was just like this. Kind of, kind of like this comet that ran through this band within like a year or however long he was or he was out as soon as he was in. Yeah, but I mean, and if you're record, going to replace David Crosby, it was a hell of a replacement. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive that they made that album, and then they ended up kind of being slightly jammier, and yeah. and um, they put out a double album that is one one album is live and one album is uh new studio stuff that was kind of was called untitled and that was them kind of getting their their feet back on the ground and that has the song that that um i've discussed on the best show for 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 for, for, <laughs> for 10 years is chestnut mare roger mcguinn <laughs> weird love song to a horse um <sighs> And him trying to capture the horse. Um, <laughs> very strange. So Crosby was in a band that had a lot of big personalities. The Birds had a lot of big personalities right off the bat yeah. between Roger McGuinn and Gene Clark 
and Chris Hillman. And then, um, so he was considered like a jerk by the standards of people who were, were also not, not, uh, wallflowers. Right. They were trying to be more serious and Crosby was the guy standing on stage telling everyone that, you know, JFK was shot from three different people. Yeah. Like he would go on in a concert, he would start talking about the JFK assassination, which was at this point four years ago. Like he was telling everybody that it's a government cover up and, um, yeah, so that's and the the other guys in the birds just could not handle that, yeah. and they fired him. And then on Notorious Bird Brothers, the cover they replaced David Crosby with a horse on the cover, which I guess <laughs> yeah. Now that's in true. retrospect, I'm sure Roger McGuinn <laughs> came up with that with his his love of horses. horses. <laughs> he loves those horses. Yeah, and, and and for more more evidence of this. I, I don't know who had control of it. I, I wasn't even aware of it. Listening to the, the Notorious Bird Brothers on Spotify, mm-hmm. there's a hidden track. There's a hidden track at the in the last song, mm-hmm. and and it's it's basically Crosby getting into a fight with the drummer Michael Clark, mm-hmm. and it's 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 funny because you know it's you know that's that's what he's known for being an ass, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you hear here's first hand evidence, and and the drummer is just so annoyed, <laughs> and, and, and Crosby is just like trying to coach him what to play. So at one point, Crosby says, "Don't play, you know, clip clop, clip clop like a horse." And so then they start to take, and that's literally what the drummer does. I mean, it's hysterical, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and it it just breaks down when it you know uh-huh. when he does it, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah. I, I encourage everybody to check that out. You have to go into the last track about halfway through. It's okay. Like a 13, 13 minute track. And then you, you get this studio uh, argument that breaks out. It's really funny. Okay. What would you say, everybody? What are the, what is Crosby's uh, high water mark and low water mark in the birds? I'll say it's everybody's been burned. Yeah and uh co-write and and eight miles high and then mind gardens is the low point i would agree with that what album is everybody's friend burn on that's on younger than yesterday oh is it okay yeah because i you know yeah all right because i i thought it, it was sort of a drop off from the first album through the mm-hmm. third album you know i liked uh okay sure. yeah, spotify for Oh, there it is. Okay. So, what do you think? What are you? What are your thoughts then, just off the top of your head, Mike? Yeah, no, I liked. Uh, yeah, that's a good song. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that. You know, I'm. I'd have to go back, but you know, the, the like I said, the first side of Notorious Bird Brothers. I thought that was. I thought that was mainly Crosby. Like going back. Um, mm-hmm. Is that is that him? Well, he's, I mean, Draft Morning is the big, the biggie he has on that uh-huh. record. That but one. He, yeah. But like he's, on, he's on the record. Yeah. yeah. But then he was also part of Tribal Gathering and Dolphin Smile. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Okay. These okay. guys sure like nature a lot. They really do. <laughs> All these guys. They're just thinking about whales and yeah. dolphins. Well, that, was, that was the hippie, the hippie, hippie dippy vibe at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they also like sports cars too. <laughs> and cocaine. And cocaine. 
Do you think anybody in Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young? Oh, okay, here is the of the four members. You know what I mean? Who who did who has done coke off of a horse? <laughs> like who actually chopped a line up on a horse? And then I I think they I think Crosby chopped the line up, and I think still swooped in and snorted it. Okay, so you think of the four members? I'm going to say Crosby is definitely Crosby and Stills have done coke off of a horse. Yes. I can I'm just say picture Young has also. I can say Neil Young has too. Yeah. I can just see them all laughing around the mm-hmm. horse with a little like white dust on it. Yeah. Mike, who's done coke off of a horse? <laughs> Crosby. Yeah, I would say everybody but uh Nash. Everybody but Nash. Okay. Yeah. Nash Pat. just thinks it's silly. He's not on board. Yeah. Pat. I wasn't I wasn't aware of his uh you know, his coxmanship. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read a whole lot about the band, but uh, maybe he would be more busy doing that than the Coke. Yeah. He probably would be. They'd be going out to the stable and he'd be like, I'm going to hang out here and uh, back in the living room uh-huh. with, with one of your girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, who's done Coke off of a horse? Based on everything I've learned, David Crosby. You're going to say you're sticking with just David Crosby. Based on everything I've learned t- All right. today, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's so, the birds. That's the birds. Mike, high watermark, low watermark? High watermark, uh, still sweetheart in the rodeo. <laughs> um, okay, but that's, yeah. Everybody's been burned, though. That's, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's, that's probably his best song. Yeah, and he was not the most prolific guy either. That's one of the things. That's one of the knocks on Crosby is that he's he's not um what he's not the most prolific guy and oddly enough now in at this late date he is the most prolific of the four yeah. of them in a way like he puts an album out every every year like yeah and it took him 40 years to get to this point and now he's like regularly puts albums out and plays live and uh is is shockingly prolific yeah i would put him right up there with with neil in terms of just output right now Mm -hmm. yeah for the last almost decade okay pat any thoughts on the birds i know you're you're a sweetheart dude yeah i love that album and uh there's they're never a band i've disliked anything i've heard i've always i've always enjoyed it now buffalo let's do the hollies real quick i don't have a whole lot to say about the hollies they've got some great songs yeah, they have great songs. Not my favorite band. Uh, no. Great singles. The album's not so much. Yeah, they were they were one hundred percent a singles band. Yeah, Mike, any thoughts on the Hollies? I I only owned one Hollies record, and it was the greatest hits album. So, mm-hmm. yeah, limited uh, info on them. Sure, but you like the hits. Yeah, yeah, the hits are good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm At- in a similar I'm in a similar boat. I have one album. I don't think it's 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 a compilation of some kind whether it be you know bbc sessions or something it's not like an album album but i mm-hmm. i know i know the their choice songs sure mm-hmm. yeah and I, I i i you know i think the hollies are worth pointing out to, that they had a song called yield toffee shop i i was gonna bring that one up <laughs> I press my nose against the pane of the little coffee shop. 
which is maybe the most British thing I've ever heard in yeah. my life. <laughs> but not really a good song. Uh-huh. No, it's not. They and also I doubt it was even a good toffee shop. No. <laughs> Jason, what other um, what other uh, <laughs> Holly song do you think? Do you can you let's see if let's see what kind of uh, uh, what kind of ESP we have going here? <laughs> is there another song title that you think I would respond to that the Hollies had? And it also again not a great song. Okay, give me a second here. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Oh, there's so many, man. Give me one. Just what record is it on? Uh, what was that? Was it on Butterfly? Maybe I don't know. Was it Charlie and Fred? <laughs> not, not Charlie and Fred. <laughs> um, no, Pegasus the Flying Horse. I was going to say my second choice was: Is it Pegasus? And then in parentheses, the Flying Horse. <laughs> <laughs> can travel with me I'm Pegasus the flying horse I'm Pegasus the flying horse so yeah so the Hollies people considered the Hollies to be like a a solid pop group yeah and um and they had some solid hit I mean some of the hits you 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 hear them on an oldie station you're like oh cool I'm hearing bus stop that's great yeah Stop and then stop, stop, stop is a great song. And I like on a carousel. Yeah, I like some deep, deep hits like uh, "Sorry Suzanne" was probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite pop songs. Yeah, so they had some great songs. I saw Elvis Costello do King Midas in reverse one time. It was it was amazing. The great Posies do a great cover of that too. Who does the Posies? The Posies, yes, yeah, another good band. Um, so yeah, so the Hollies we're just gonna say they're kind of whatever. Yeah. And the funny, like another thing that goes back to Dylan with the Hollies is one of the reasons that Graham Nash left the Hollies is because they were in production on an all Bob Dylan record. Yes. And he didn't want to be part of that. No. So, and that's when he started coming to LA and, and sniffing around and yeah. Sniffing in all kinds of different ways. Yes, and you went for that. <laughs> Studio went for it. I, I didn't hey, I, go for it. There's different. Yeah. There's they could be coke. It could be other things. From the Mike, that's one from Mike. He's yeah, he took one from Mike's playbook. Yeah, yeah, I think I earned some respect right there. Yeah, that was from a Mike. patent. Yeah. That was like a patent move. Like Studio could say, I, "I read your, I read your your book, you magnificent bastard." Um, so yeah, so. Then there's Buffalo Springfield, which is a very interesting group because you have Stephen Stills, a guitar player, a singer, and a songwriter, and you have Neil Young, a guitar player, a, sing- a singer, and a songwriter, who are kind of like sharing co co leads in this group, and it's it seems very um, I don't know how how would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, I think hmm. I mean, they they all have their yeah. They're all leads. I mean, Fure is a is a lead as well. I think That's true. Yeah, because his voice. I mean, he even sang Neil songs on the record. Yeah, like, like Neil would write a song and Richie Fure would sing it. But I feel like, but he was not the songwriter that Neil ever was. Richie Fure. I just none of yeah. his songs really. Just I don't know. They just I, I feel like those albums are defined by the the Still songs and the Neil songs completely. I don't know how. Who would you? What? What is your? Uh, what did you? Did you listen to these records again, Mike? You Buffalo? know, I I, ha- I haven't I haven't recently, but I was more familiar with Buffalo Springfield and say the Birds. Sure. You know, because of the, the Neil Young connection, so I did listen yeah. to them 
at, at ver very early date. Mm -hmm. um, they, they were stronger, you know, as far as putting out albums. The albums are pretty solid, too. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and it really so, is only, it's, it's three albums, and yeah. one of them kind of came out after the fact. Right, uh, right. Last time around. There was, there was, there was, was the first record self-titled? Yeah, the first record was oh, Buffalo yeah. Springfield. Then it's and Buffalo it Springfield really again. Yes. And then it's last time around. Last time around. And um, they had been, because um, they were falling apart, and uh, they kind of fell apart and then kind of cobbled a, a third record together. Yeah. But of the, of the Buffalo Springfield records, I mean, it's like you're talking about so many, like Stephen Stills was on fire in Buffalo Springfield. Just right from the start. Right from the start, like for what it's worth, he writes. It's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. He writes, uh, "Sit down, I think I love you." What else? Is, go and go and say goodbye is on that first record, and Neil has um, "Burned" is a is a really big one. Been burned and with both feet on. Uh, and then uh, nowadays, Clancy can't even yeah. sing. Yeah. And and then he it's 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 so funny that when you think of like Buffalo Springfield Neil Young's kind of like uh, uh, his 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 thing was to do these weirdly orchestrated slow songs that were like yeah. not the most rocking songs necessarily yeah. between like you know uh, uh, like what is it uh, why am I blank? expecting to fly is one of them and yeah, yeah. Broken Arrow. These songs that just were so produced. Yeah. When you think of the road Neil Young went down as an artist, it's like he was not—he was not somebody who was obsessed with overproduction or just layering of instruments. It's—it's so—it's so much about the feel and the and the moment in so yeah. much of what he's done. But and at I, that point, he was like he was like a studio guy, a studio. Yeah. Uh, animal whatever and i think that's something we'll talk a little bit more too about in, with the 6970 episode with you know that first record the first solo album neil young is so orchestrated mm -hmm. and yeah. then he immediately shifts gears and he's with crazy horse yeah he finds these guys that play this very kind of like it's all it's so much of it is feeling and so yeah. much of it is just energy and and just force and the other guys did not get why Neil played with Crazy Horse. Like they didn't. They like, hated Crosby, him. Crosby was just like thought they were just like a bar band, and like why are you lowering yourself to play with these like these like amateur guys? But he he saw the thing in it that that uh, that made that that that, that, that he saw the value in that. And these other guys didn't see it, but early on he was not the he was not like the rock guy. Like like Stills has like Bluebird. Listen to my bluebird laugh. She can't tell you why. And <laughs> and just like rock and roll woman, these songs that are just like rock really real yeah like real rockers i mean you could uh, for me personally i would say that stills like like buffalo springfield is slightly more stills's group than neil's group 
in in terms of like the what these records uh what these records uh were like stills just delivers over and over on these yeah. things. like he's so dominant on yeah. it yeah mr soul was a rocker but yeah, still mr. not soul. like definitely Yeah, but not to like I, I, the degree of like you know rock and roll woman or something. Yeah, and but he just like I, it's like Neil was still figuring himself out a little bit here. I think right. still knew who he was. Like some of these still songs on the, on those records, you just know he he already has this really good idea about what he wants to do and who he's gonna be. And um, like even a song like like Four Days Gone is kind of like that sounds. That's like the sound. That's like the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young sound is already like fully, like he's he's arrived at it. And I think that, you know, towards the end, like you can hear Neil starting to become more of what we would hear from Neil in the 70s with like, I am a child. Yes. And stuff yeah. like that. That's like, you you get hints of it. But yeah. I, w- I will say, like, we haven't touched on one of my all-time favorite Neil songs in general, uh, which is uh, Out of My Mind. Out of my mind And I just can't take it anymore Off of Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. Which is one of the best. No, it's one- a great song. It's, um, it's such a funny... It's such a funny thing that they were just these two guys who were so young at that point. No pun intended. 20. Yeah. Pat, any thoughts on, did you listen to the Buffalo Springfield records? Unfortunately, I did not. Well, you got to. I, I wish I did, but I, I, I'm They're sorry. They're great. They're great records, man. And I, I yeah. can't wait to hear what you think when you do listen to them because. Yeah. You know, I there are some solid tracks on here. What songs I've, do you know of those, though? Do you know. I mean, you know for what it's worth. How right? does it go? That's the one that's like, oh, you better stop. Hey, what's that sound? Oh, yeah, that's them? Yeah, that's yes. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's and pretty you know good. Mr. Soul? How's that one go? Boom, 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 boom. Well, hello, Mr. Soul. I dropped by just to pick up a reason. I don't think I know that. Well, you got, you got an adventure ahead of you because some yeah. of these things... I'd say if you listen to that second album, if you listen to the first two albums, Pat, I think you'll, you'll okay. appreciate what what uh, what they were. Like Rock yes. and Roll Woman, you'll know also. That's like la da 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 da. La there's a woman. You'll know it if you hear it. Okay. When you hear it, you'll you'll be like, oh, I know this. Yeah. But they they burned bright and then flamed out. So what is the high water mark for, for Stills and Young in Buffalo Springfield? What are we looking at? For me, for Stills, I mean, yeah, I mean you've got for what it's worth, but I, I want to kind of look on the outside of that. I think Bluebird's always stuck out for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Bluebird is, is, is really a uh, – I, I just think it's such, a, it's such an amazing song. It's got such guitar, amazing guitar playing on it. And – and yeah, they, I don't even know what a low point would be. I don't even know. I think the low points in Buffalo Springfield for me are the other guys. Yeah, like a child's claim to fame. Yeah. Yeah, I've never or, been big on, like, Richie Furay stuff, and it's like, no, yeah. I'm not going to listen to Poco. Yeah. 
So, Mike, what would be like high water mark, low water mark for Buffalo Springfield with Stills and Young for you? Yeah, I would I would say uh, Bluebird, and I I had like a, a double album. It was like uh, Greatest Hits, and it had a, a I guess maybe it was a live version that wasn't on the studio album. Okay. And, and it was really good. I mean, it was like you know over seven minutes long, and yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was just sort of Stills at his best. Um, and yeah, Mr. Soul and um, I'm a Child. Those are the Neil songs that stand out. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't such a big fan of the uh, yeah the songs with the different movements in them. You know, mm-hmm. it was a little was a little jarring after you know it came from Neil Young after being a fan of his, and then I went back to the Buffalo Springfield, and so I was like, yeah, what's this? Yeah, these, these like weirdly kind of like precious songs. Yeah. But expect, um, expecting to fly is beautiful, though. Oh no, I love expecting to fly. I would say for me, Neil Young's best on for Buffalo Springfield is expecting to fly or Mr. Yeah. Skull. There you stood on the edge of your feather, expecting to fly. Those to me are the ones I would just um that those just define his his contribution of that and you could just hear that it's him like mm-hmm. like it's clearly him finding finding it you know so if we had to rank the four members <laughs> for what they did before before this starts because this is episode zero again right of, right of this show and then then we'll start properly with uh, sixty nine and seventy, is that what we're doing? Yeah, sixty nine seventy will be the will be the first episode. So the pre, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put mine together, and then you can okay put yours together. Um, I know. Just rank one through four, best to worst of the members. Are we ready? Yeah. Pat, do you have a ranking? Based on what I've learned, yes. Just do the letters. Okay. Like, like, like Crosby's just C. <laughs> Got it. We'll go from worst, go from best to worst. Okay. Am I starting? Yeah. Okay. So I will give best is C based on his accomplishments in the birds. Okay. So you're saying C then. And then, and then, uh, N. Okay. And then, um, let's see who's left here. S and, Wait. And Y. You got Stills and Young to go. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I, I messed up. So I, I was going by <laughs> first name. Okay. So yeah. C Y. Oh, okay. Then it's kind of a toss up. It's kind of a tie for last. I don't know. Um, C Y. Then you have S or N. Who goes next? Like the um, or Buffalo Spring or or for what it's worth. What do you like? Um. Let's do N and S. Okay, Mike. He's not even on the call anymore. You summon a bitch. <laughs> what? Mike, you summon a bitch. <laughs> well, let's go to Jason. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say S, mm-hmm. Y, C, N. Well, Jason, I'm going to say, here's mine. S, Y, C, N. We're on the same page. Look there at it that. is. Because Stills yeah. was on fire. Stills was on fire. Stills was Stills was clearly 
brimming with ideas and brimming with enthusiasm. And really, there's, there's stuff that, that I've taken away from, from that David Brown audiobook that is also available in non-audio form. That is, uh, he was so, dri- Stills was so driven to succeed, and you can just feel it coming from him on the, like, and he made no bones about it. And if you watch video of, of Buffalo Springfield, there's one video of them playing on a talk show and Stills is in a suit with a cowboy hat on <laughs> and is like doing this like strut around the stage that is so funny because it's like old country and new country at the same time. And they were also some of the first people to start incorporating these country elements into, yeah. into music. I know the, the band gets a lot of credit for that, but it's like, man, you listen to these Buffalo Springfield records, it's like there's so much country in the mix on these things. And they were definitely incorporating a lot of, uh, a lot of styles and uh, yeah. a lot of feels all at once. And they pulled the psychedelic stuff off better than the birds did. I feel outside of eight miles high, I think the Neil stuff is better than like the mind gardens, for example. Yeah. 1000% because it was out there, but it also like, I don't know, it, it made it made you feel in a way that like listening to, you know, one of Crosby's tracks like that, where you just you're more like, what what's happening here? Yeah, like you get like I I get weepy sometimes listening to Expecting to Fly. Oh, absolutely, I I I get it completely. I love it. Um, do we have Mike or no? No Mike. No Mike. Okay. Um, but I think I think Young is second place mainly because. You know, the he did contribute some truly, truly amazing songs in that period. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but he just, I feel like Stills was just had, Stills knew who he was a little bit more than yeah. Neil did at this point. Yeah. So Crosby, because of his, I agree with Pat in terms of uh, his success with the birds. I mean, that was huge. Yeah. And then Nash, yeah, you know, oh, you can't boy. win them all. I can't win them all. Can't win them all. But I will also say, you know, as we go through this podcast, Stills ain't going to be on top very much. No, no, that's the whole thing. Stills, you enjoy it while it lasts, my friend. Yeah. All right. Are we mic free? I think we're mic free. He's not answering. Well, let's just we'll get his know. we'll get his ranking at the beginning of the next show. Yes. We'll yes. Do that. And I know people are like, "What is this?" It's like it's gonna this. Man, we're just going to start cooking this thing. <laughs> this is episode zero. We got to start somewhere. You got to look at the records that we're going to cover in the next podcast. Yeah. You've got Neil Young, Neil Young. You have Neil Young with Crazy Horse. Everybody knows this is nowhere. You have Crosby, Stills, and Nash first album. You have mm-hmm. their second album, Deja Vu. We have After the Gold Rush. And then we also have Stephen Stills' self-titled uh, solo record. Yeah. I'm glad you just said all that because I, I, I had no idea we were going to listen to all those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about, um, what about, um, if I can only remember my name, what year is that? That's 71. 71. So that will not, that'll be yeah. in the, the, the episode after that. So yeah. So lot to cover and it's going to be worth it. It's going to be fun. And everybody we're, we're doing stuff. This is for Patreon people. Uh, people give over patreon.com slash the best show and we'll um we'll ju- we're just gonna have fun and do stuff yeah. keep everybody entertained and and write us and let us know what's up and what you want to hear if you think of categories you want us to rank 
yeah. with this, let us know, and we'll we'll get into that. And give uh, us your thoughts on uh, what we've talked about. Yes, we'll read exactly. them. We'll read them during this, and this will be on the free uh, feed down the line as well. Absolutely. So thanks for listening, and we'll do another one of these, and we'll keep them going, and we'll keep having fun. Thanks, everybody. Hey, and love the one you're with. Love and. L- <laughs> I guess so we each have to have a sign off everyone. Like, so that's your sign off. For yeah. The, is love the one you're with. You love the one you're with. Okay. So Jason says you do the official sign off then. Yeah. So everybody love the one you're with. Well, can we give you some ideas instead of that fast choppy stuff? See, it's supposed to be a, a long, smooth kind of slow flowing thing. You know, feel like a boat, not feel like horses clopping or something, you know, it's supposed to be long kind of, smooth things.